the squared circle action figure podcast as you heard from the great joel gertner i'm your host will the thrill and i am your co-host joe static you can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms including podbean itunes google play music stitcher and spotify and if you listen please write a review that's always helpful we drop podcasts every saturday This is a weekly episodic wrestling figure podcast. You can also follow us for wrestling figure photos, giveaways, and fig hunts on Instagram and Twitter at SQDCircleAFP. And coming soon, we will be launching our weekly YouTube live streams, the Wrestling Figure Roundtable at the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. So with that said... How's everything going with wrestling figs this week, Joe? Actually, pretty good, Will. I was able to find Elite 76 Christian and Elite 76 John Cena. I was after the Christian, so to see it on the pegs left behind was pretty exciting. I haven't purchased a John Cena figure in a long time, and the attire he has on 76 I really enjoy, so I picked up both of those. Yeah, you got the Thugonomics attire on that Cena. I had a pass on that. I I know John Cena has been around for a long time. I'm just not a big fan. However, that Elite Christian, I did pick up as well. Found it on the pegs. I think it's left there because people don't know who the hell it is. It doesn't even fucking look like Christian. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, what the fuck is that? Is that a I know, yeah. They're like, hold on. Is this a BCA figure? What's going on? You know what? They might think it's a figure swap. They may. We'll get more. (laughs) into that at a later time. We're not going to review Elite 76 here. I also picked up Otis. I figured, why not? He's hot right now. I thought Otis, even as the single figure, was incredible. New torso. Everything is new about the figure. That's what drew me in there. Not a big Otis fan. Not a big heavy machinery fan. But I thought I'd throw it into the collection for now. Nice. I also found new basic series series, core series, whatever you want to call them. Is I found battle packs, which we'll get into a little later. I know we're excited to talk about that. And there's been a lot of online action. Wow, Joe. The first thing I wanted to discuss is Ringside Collectibles does have the China and Triple H 2-pack now in stock. It's available to purchase right now. No back orders, no waiting. D-Generation X 2-pack. You got China with two belts, the European title, and the Winged Eagle Heavyweight Championship. Excited to see that in stock. I'm going to wait, though. That $49.99 price tag on that, a little too high 
high right now. I think they're going to have a bunch of these. I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. I'll wait on that. What do you think, Joe? Same here. Well, the price point on that, not too excited about the $50, but I, I get it. You're getting two figures. First in the line, China. They got to mark it up a little bit. I'm excited for the China figure. I like that they finally got around to making the China figure. The Triple H, I'm not too thrilled about. I could kind of do without that figure. So between the price point and me not really wanting the Triple H, this this is going on the back burner for me. Money grab. That's all I got to say about that. Money grab. And it's unfortunate. Didn't like the execution of this. I think that's why it's still in stock. I think that's why it hasn't been sold. I think you're going to find these on clearance. I also believe that this is not a ringside exclusive. So they will pop up at Walmart. They will pop up on Amazon. And when they do, you know what's going to happen. They're not going to have large sales at that price point. They're going to shoot them down to $29.99 like they did with the AJ Styles Finn Balor and the Rey Mysterio in Samoa Joe. I'm waiting. I would have preferred China standalone elite. That's what I was looking for. The two pack, like I said, eh, I'm not that excited about it. Not that excited at all. I want her intercontinental title alone. Oh man. Done. I don't need her holding anybody's belts. Intercontinental champion woman to hold a man's title. I want it. That's what should have happened. But again, we got a money grab, unfortunately. And that's that. (laughs) The next thing that came up online is a Masters of the WWE Universe ring figure combo set. They're calling this Rattlesnake Mountain Ring with Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's a Walmart exclusive. It's got Hogan and Stone Cold. This ring has this snake motif where snakes are on the ring posts. I had to pre-order it. You get the Hogan figure. You get the Stone Cold figure. I don't have a Masters of the WWE Universe ring yet. I thought two figures, a ring, which I still don't have for my collection. I'm all in. And not only that, two awesome figures, not Triple H and John Cena two awesome legends Hogan Austin now I'm not a Masters of the Universe fan I don't know anything about Masters of the Universe do you know what the Hogan and the Austin are modeled after which Motu characters because I don't know that's a tough one with the Stone Cold because there's a couple characters that could be King Hiss Rattler is another one that comes to mind with the heads I don't know I'm not really sure what they're going for with that okay because there's a couple characters like I said in Masters of the Universe that that could be based off of Hogan thing. He's almost like a He-Man, I would say, because the, of the chest plate. I'd say they're going for more like a He-Man with the Hogan, of course. The ring looks pretty cool. I like the uh, I like the color of it. I like snakes on the four turnbuckles, the posts. I myself didn't pre-order this. I was kind of the same thing as the, the two-pack. I was kind of on the fence about this. I'll probably pre-order it because I have all the other Masters of the Universe stuff to complete the collection. I got to grab this. I like the Austin and I like the Hogan that comes with it. I like the set. I think think they're a little off they're a little odd looking you're right with hogan he comes with a battle axe so i'm only assuming he's supposed to be he-man but how many he-mans are we gonna get in this everybody's a he-man this is my problem with the line they've just extended the crossover possibilities at this time and now there's a lot of well this this superstar is he-man and this superstar skeletor and this you know what i'm saying it's like they're gonna get to a point where they can't have everybody as he-man and they're not going to go so obscure to have Stonedar. You know what I'm saying? That's an obscure figure, you know? Like, I, I don't know. In my eyes. It- the axe is kind of throwing me off because he doesn't come with a sword. It could. I'm 
I'm thinking it's kind of He-Man-esque. Uh, could be like a man at arms. Yeah, but you already or had man at arms. Something along those lines. Oh, they did that. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what I'm saying. So I'm it's gotta puzzled, be Joe. I am puzzled by this. And like you said, is it Rattler? Is it, you know, who are we getting it? You know, and again, I'm not an expert, but I don't even know. And you're pretty good with Masters of the Universe, Motu, and you're having difficulty I don't have confirmation yet. I pre-ordered it. The only reason I pre-ordered it is because I couldn't find the other combo ring with the John Cena and Triple H at any of the Walmarts in my area. I could not find it. So I was like, I'm just going to get it. You don't have the ring with Triple H and Cena? No, I never found it at any of my Walmarts at retail and oh, I wow. didn't and I didn't pre-order it. So it's not a ring that I wanted either because I don't like either superstars or wrestlers. So. <laughs> All right, Joe. Well, let's get to to the gorilla position. I can feel electricity in the air. All right, everybody, welcome back to the gorilla position. And in today's gorilla position, we are going to be featuring a company who produces several lines of wrestling figures that I don't even collect. So this is going to be fun and interesting. Joe, you collect some of these lines, but we're going to be talking about figures, toy company, FTC, in this week's edition of the gorilla position. So Joe, to start off, we have a brief history here. This company is really old. It's been a yeah, it's been around for a while, long time. And Figures Toy Company dates back to 1989, started by Anthony Belasco. They were basically a seller and reseller of collectible toys and action figures, and they would direct sell at collectible toy shows throughout New England. In 93, they really started focusing on wrestling figures, wrestling merchandise. They started producing WCW and ECW replica belts in 98 you can find the ecw replica bouts on the major wrestling figure podcast which is really cool brian myers has acquired some of them and they're really cool belts really like them yeah very nice belts yeah i would absolutely love to have them in my collection if if they come my way in 99 figures and company becomes wrestlingsuperstore.com and launches an e-commerce website and wrestlingsuperstore.com still exists today with ftc and that's where you can purchase the wrestling figures, vintage wrestling figures, et cetera, et cetera. And then in the 2000s, Figures Toy Company obtains the rights to produce replica belts, Rey Mysterio masks, buckles. And to this day, they've started acquiring many, many toy licenses, DC. And when we're talking about wrestling, even the Ring of Honor or wrestling toy license. It's a crazy journey for them. They're very wrestling focused. They do produce some comic book and comic oriented products as well. They have a great Mego inspired line. I know you're pretty fond of it and know a little bit about that, Joe. We're not going to discuss a lot about that Mego line today, but what we are going to focus on is the wrestling figures they do produce. As mentioned, they have the license for Ring of Honor Wrestling to produce wrestling figures, wrestling belts, everything and anything Ring of Honor Wrestling. They also have two original 
brands. One called the Rising Stars of Wrestling, which are focused on independently signing superstars wrestlers that are in the independents that don't have an affiliation with a formal entity or may have an affiliation with one, but can independently sign with other companies to do signings, merchandise, etc. And then the second original brand they have, which I'm a fan of, is the Legends of Wrestling figures. The Legends of Wrestling figures line has all these really awesome, obscure, eccentric superstars from ECW, WCW. It's an amazing line of figures. They create these figures, but build in complementary products like wrestling figure rings, wrestling figure pairing cases, toy and replica belts. It's a really great company, FTC. You were very inspired to talk about their lines and not only their lines, but their upcoming releases. That's right, Well, What gets me excited about FTC, I know they're a little slower nowadays with their releases. Takes them a little while longer to put the wrestling figure releases out with everything else they have on the table. Some of the figures that are going to be released, I'm really excited about when you go down the line. In particular, since I'm a big ECW fan, the Chris Candido figure, I think, is a big deal. The Francine figure, which she's never had a wrestling figure before, gets people pretty excited. Yeah, Joe, those are great figures, and those will all be a part of their Legends lineup. Their Legends lineup already have ECW greats like New Jack, PJ Polacco, who is just incredible, the Blue Meanie, Mikey Whipwreck, Jerry Lynn, Shane Douglas. Wow, the list goes on and on. And now they add Francine and Chris Candido. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, it gives the toy line some life. I think a lot of wrestling figure collectors forget about FTC. And with them putting releases out a couple times a year, I mean, they're easily forgotten. It shouldn't discredit what they have coming down the pipeline. Maybe you can discuss to our listeners a little bit about their style, their articulation, because we're very familiar with these figures and I don't think people know that. I think when people look at them, they're like, eh, well, this face scan doesn't look too good. The figure isn't really articulated as well as the modern day figures are. So explain a little bit to our listeners about the articulation and the inspiration for this line. The FTC line has been compared and is very similar to the Jax line. The articulation, the bodies, they're very similar to the Jax Classics. They're very similar to the Jack's Ruthless Aggression figures. Same body style, same body frame. Sometimes a lot of wrestling figure collectors aren't big fans of these figures. They think it's basically a ripoff of a Jack's figure. With that being said, some people are for these figures. Some people aren't just based on that alone. And it shouldn't be that way. So again, I do not currently collect this line. And we discussed that on our first episode, Gorilla Position, the pulse of wrestling figure collecting. I can't get in because it's been late for me. I already have to catch up I would buy it every single figure here, probably minus the Kiss Demon, because I really don't care about the Kiss Demon. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I don't know why people like that figure. It baffles me. Anyway, I digress. When I look at this lineup, it just gives me the chills and sweats already. I'm like, oh my god, $30 a figure. Holy shit. Yeah, plus shipping. Plus shipping. I'm at $40 a figure, and I gotta fucking buy 10 of these things. I'm already $400 <laughs> deep, baby! 
Uh, side note, Will, you know what I like about the figures? The case, the figure case that comes in is almost like a protective case. So when you hold it in your hand, it's pretty sturdy. I really like the case. I feel like it's heavy, it's sturdy, the figure's inside. I like the setup there. It's not like you have a carded figure. The carded figure is encased in a harder plastic and it preserves that card and preserves the figure, which is cool. To my knowledge, you could actually remove the figure from the case, still keep the case, and then put the figure back in it. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. It's very similar to a protective case. I absolutely love that style. It's extremely innovative for wrestling figures and wrestling figure collecting. Let's get back to the actual lineups. I know you're super excited and I didn't want to go off track, but I did want to talk to our listeners about FTC and they do have areas in the past where eh, you may not like the head sculpt here or there. However, we believe the talent and the names are justified for you to get these figures. I'm going to order a couple of these after this podcast. I'm going to get a few of these. Go out there. They fit right in to your ruthless aggression and classic superstar lines. Get these figures. They may be a little bit pricey, but put some of your budget towards them. Instead of getting an elite figure by Mattel, get one of these. If you can buy a figure a month, buy one of these every other month or every two months. There's a way to do it. There's a way to do it right. And as you said, Joe, as we look into the future, wow, the face scopes on these are getting awesome. I mean, they are spot on everything you said. The Francine, the Candido's a little eh. The face is a little... The Alex right? the Scott Noren, the Vince Russo. I mean, it's on. And I didn't think the Vince Russo looked good to begin with, and I called them out on it, but with the paint, looks really good. I like the Vince Russo. I'm excited for the Scott Norton. I mean, he's never had a wrestling figure before, so that should definitely bring some attention to the line. Fire and ice, baby! Fire and That's ice! That's one of the first tag teams I've seen when I started watching WCW, believe it or not. Oh, I love it, baby. I love it. I love B-Real uh, of WCW, and they, they excel. <laughs> FTX, you got Hoovy Juice here. Oh man, it's great. I love the Hoovy Juice. It's a great figure. I saw a custom <laughs> of Hooventud Guerrera, which was supposedly given to somebody, and they used a fucking <laughs> Bret Hart head. And I was, this was an unmasked Hooventud Guerrera. And I told the guy, I'm like, I mean, it's not, it fucking looks like Bret Hart, bro. Think of Hoovy when he used to come out with that wet ass hair. I know, he looks like Bret Hart a little bit. Babe. He yes. didn't look like Bret Hart. Come on. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, I got it for free. Oh, in that case. Someone gave me that for free. I would fucking put it in the pit, baby. <laughs> it's time to add it to the pit list. <laughs> oh, God, Joe. Anyway, again, I digress. One of my favorite figures from the FTC line is the Dalton Castle figure. Dalton Castle has always caught my attention. His style, I like his finisher. I like him in general. So when they released that, they pretty much nailed that head sculpt and the figure in general. That's a sleeper from FTC. Okay, not being a independent or pretty much an ROH fan, I do not watch Ring of Honor Wrestling. I know, I know, guys, you are probably going to chastise me for it, but I know some of the names from Ring of Honor. Let's talk a little bit about their Ring of Honor line. 
line because it's pretty incredible. Their Ring of Honor line has a lot of NXT and WWE wrestlers. You can even see just in this wrestling figure line, there is a relationship with the WWE and Ring of Honor to a certain extent. You like the Dalton Castle. I personally like, I think they did the Hanson and Rowe really well, the Viking Raiders, and I absolutely love that Jay Lethal. Oh man, the Jay Lethal's great. How awesome is that Jay Lethal? I used to have that Jay Lethal. I don't know what the hell happened to it. And not only that, Jay Lethal has had several wrestling figures produced of him because he was part of TNA wrestling. So you had a lot of TNA stuff done by Jax, but this Jay Lethal figure is really awesome. He comes with that entrance jacket and everything. I love it. I don't know who Dalton Castle is, so I can't really connect with it. But if you're a huge fan of Ring of Honor, old school Ring of Honor, and if you're a huge NXT WWE fan, I mean, they made Kevin Owens, named as Kevin Steam. They made the entire Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, and they all look incredible. Yeah, those are great figures. And then they made the Viking Raiders, Hanson and Rowe. They were called, at that time, War Machine. Oh, I love the name. I wish they still had that name. I know. I know. So getting into the new releases, though. Getting into the other new releases coming out, you have Brian Pillman Jr., the villain Marty Skrull, PCO, former Ring of of Honor champ. I don't know if he's still the champ. Roosh. You have Bandito. I know he's pretty anticipated figure coming out. They have so many coming down the pipeline. It's just, I just hope they can get these out in time. I feel like every time you see a head scope, six months pass. Yeah, Joe. I wouldn't say necessarily a problem, but it's an interesting strategy. You have a Ring of Honor license, so you have to produce Ring of Honor figures. You have your Legends line. You're producing Legends figures. And then you have a Rising Stars of Wrestling where you're producing all this independent talent. You're kind of going back and forth on all. You're releasing two Legends figures, three Ring of Honor figures, and then another three Rising Stars of Wrestling guys at the same time. I think it kind of gets a little blurred together. Even when we're discussing this at on the Gorilla position, we're like, well, we're jumping from Ring of Honor to Rising Stars of Wrestling. And there isn't this cohesion, you know? There's like, yeah, who's coming first? When are they coming? What part of the line they're in? Even prior to this, I know who Brian Pilliman Jr. is. I didn't know if he was an ROH guy. I forgot. He's an independent guy, so he's going to be part of the Rising Stars of Wrestling line. He's an independent, so now you're getting like confusing. Look, I'm a smart guy. As a smart guy, I'm sitting back and looking at the FEC product. You throw a post out, you throw a scoped out. There needs to be a little more polish in the market. The marketing needs to be polished. It's just confusing I think to the normal consumer and even myself because even in the rising stars of wrestling line, you got like Kenny Omega, you got best friends Trent and Chuck Taylor, you got Jack Cobb, you got Chris Hero, you got the Young Bucks and AJ Styles and all these great superstars and wrestlers, Brian Myers, Joey Ryan and then you got Brian Pillman Jr. coming out, Joey Janela coming out, but Joey Janela is part of AEW. Oh, so many. I'm assuming he's going to have an AEW figure made in the Joey Janela a scan Ooh. looks incredible. Oh, I love I loved the scan. You know, Will, this might have been last year, 2019. I mean, if you could believe that, I'm going back that far. I forget the gentleman's name. I want to say his name is Chris, who's in charge. Could be wrong there. He did say in a nice way, the wrestling figures are kind of on the bottom of the list. 
with everything else they produce, like you mentioned before, DC, a couple of the other action figure lines, they all get put on the forefront. I think that has something to do with it because there's a lot more money that they put forward with those releases. And it sounded like in that interview, the wrestling figures are kind of on the bottom, kind of on the back burner. I do remember listening to that interview. It was a great interview. Go check it out. It's with our friends, the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where it was. That's an amazing podcast. You got to go check it out. They did an in-depth interview with Chris. I think he's either lead marketing, lead design at Figures Toy Company. Here's my position. I love the figures. I want to buy the figures. I want to start buying the figures. But one, price point's tough. Two, there is already a lot in the catalog that I haven't got. And three, on some of the past figures, not the future figures. The sculpts just aren't hitting the spot for them. They aren't hitting that sweet spot. I love the Ruthless Aggression classic superstar build. I don't need my figures in scale. I appreciate a flat scale. Everybody's the same height. Maybe somebody has a little bit bigger muscles in the arms than others, etc. That's toyetic. That's underappreciated in modern day collecting. Everybody wants something that's super accurate. Everybody wants something that's lifelike, that's in scale. No, 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 dude. That's the fun of collecting. You should want something toyetic that's like fun and unique and a little out of scale. And that doesn't look like your Mattels. That doesn't look like your A-Dub. And I think you get that here harkens back to a time where we collected wrestling figures that didn't have that. And that's what I love and appreciate about this line the most. But for those other three reasons, I just can't get into the line. And I want to, and again, I said, I will buy some after this episode and I want to buy some of the future guys. I got to get the Hoovy juice, baby. Oh my God. Next to my Rey Mysterio. Come on now. You need that. You could pair those together. My best of WCW and my best of ECW are style Rey Mysterio Jr.'s next to the Hoovy Juice? Come on now. It's a no-brainer, Joe. Pair them together like you said. That's my position on Figures Toy Company. And I'll leave it at that, Joe. It's all you. I like Figures Toy Company. I agree with your points, Will. Some of the negatives, pros and the cons with the uh, FTCs. And like we mentioned on episode one of the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast, with everything coming out, all the other wrestling figures, pros and the cons there. FTC, I feel, gets thrown on the back burner. For me personally, the other lines I'm going to go for first, the Candido, Francine, a couple of the other ones. If I have the money, if they're available, sometimes hell, if I even remember, if they're even fucking released in the next five <laughs> to 10 years, I think, you know, I'll, I'll purchase those. But I agree with you on those three points. Yeah. And that's our position. On Figures Toy Company. Remember, Figures Toy Company has some great, great wrestling figures. You can start a collection. You can add to your collection. We want to be positive here at the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. But they do have their misgivings. So with that said, that's our gorilla position. Joe, and we're ready for this week's oh my god figure of the week and boy do we have an oh my god figure for our listeners it is the hasbro green card adam bomb Woo! 
Oh, man. One of the best Hasbro releases, the Atom Bomb Hasbro green card. Explosive, baby. I am explosive right now. I'm getting amped about this. (laughs) Joe, what a story. And for me personally, what a story. Before we get in all to the personal mumbo jumbo and all that nostalgia, we're going to give you a little bit of a review about this green card series because it's pretty special for wrestling figure collectors. Oh, yes. It's an amazing series. If you don't know, this is the last series ever produced by Hasbro under the WWF. We're saying it. WWF, World (sighs) Wrestling Federation License. These green card series, which was series 11, were released in 1994. They were primarily released in specialty toy shops in comic book stores. I personally never saw these in a KB's. I never saw them in a Toys R Us. You may have a different experience than I did, but I didn't see these in larger retailers. Same here, Will. I never seen them at KB or any retail like that. I think I seen them in a couple comic shops that were near my house in NJ, but no retail. It was weird. For the last series, they popped up in small comic shops. That was my finding as well. I'm a New Jersey guy as well. We go to the mall in New Jersey a lot. We love our malls. Mm-hmm. The malls and KB were synonymous back in the day. My mall had two KB. Downstairs level? Upstairs level. How crazy. Two KB toys in one mall. Man, I miss KB. You can't even get GameStops. There aren't two GameStops in a mall these days. Did your mall have generic mall rats? I mean, I was probably one of them. <laughs> Hanging out at the fucking video game section, smoking cigarettes, walking around fucking hitting each other tripping and falling and shit stinking haven't sh- haven't showered in days <laughs> come on now now we're getting into the nostalgia a little bit i'm in kb toys actually with my mom i'm a young kid so we're in kb toys no wrestling figures they're actually all clearanced out i had a bunch of them i've started to buy up a bunch of hasbros for three for ten and then upper level of kb's i'm walking over and right across was the comic book store right next to the chick-fil-a yeah back then they all had the same name for some reason comic world comic oh, no no you know what it was called heroes heroes <laughs> world heroes That's world i believe it was heroes world so i walk into heroes world and remember those turnstile racks i mean you could put anything on them you can hang things from them you could put comic books in them they actually had them yeah. for comics turnstile rack i walk in to Heroes World. And there, on the turnstile rack, the green card series. Did you soil yourself? Boy, did I soil myself. Shit, I had shit stains. <laughs> what do you use to call those things? Those things when, you, when you're holding your shit in and you had the line on there because you're like, oh, I don't want to take a shit. I want to play more. The uh, skid marks? Skid marks, that's it. I had the skid marks already going. Couldn't hold myself <laughs> together. <laughs> So I'm in Heroes World. Green card series. Everyone. One, two, three, kid. Smoking Woo. gun. Good I never Vic had. Borga. I never had the fucking smoking guns, man. To this day. I've never had them. I've never owned them. Joe, they were all there. I remember it so vividly. And they had the little Heroes World sticker on them. Oh, man. 
I look over to my mom. My mom's like, she's like, oh, fuck, this kid's going to fucking drop another $35 here, $40, whatever it was, $10 a figure. From uh, mowing lawns? Raking lawns? No, no, no. She's going to pay it. She's like, oh, God. <laughs> We're poor. I got no money. I got no money. We're poor. I grew up in a poor household. No money. So my mom says, do you want them all? She knew. She knew how much of a wrestling figure collector and wrestling fan I was. She knew that that's the, it's the one thing in my life that just brought happiness to my life. Oh, that's great. Do you want them all? And you know what? I knew we were fucked. I said, I don't need them all. I looked at them. Eh, I don't like the smoking guns. Fuck the smoking guns. That's what I said in my head. I looked at the Ludwig Borger. Fuck Ludwig Borger. Eh, you know, USA for life, baby. I looked at one, two, three, kid. I'm like, God, that's a fucking terrible figure. It looks like somebody I know, exactly like somebody I know. And I said to her, eh, maybe I get the one, two, three kid. And then I looked at Yokozuna. I'm like, it's a repaint. I told her, I said, I got the red one. I don't need this one. I prefer the white. I prefer the white now. Back then I had the red. I was like, I don't need it. But sitting there on the pegs, a new release, the Atom Bomb. <sighs> Oh my God. I looked at the Adam Bob and compared to every, I mean, God, the one, two, three kid was fucking terrible. The smoking goods were so plain. The fucking Yoko was a repaint. The Ludwig Borga was, eh. I'm like, why the fuck is he in the line? Why is he in the line? He's a heel. Nobody fucking likes Ludwig. And sitting there with those glasses, with that atom bomb singlet, with the atomic nuclear logo is staring in front of me in my face. And I said, mom, that's the one, the atom bomb. It pops off that green card. It not only pops, but it pops, man. Green, yellow, red, black. Went up to the cashier. I walked home with that atom bomb. And you know what I did with that atom bomb when I came home? You busted it open. I busted it open, baby. It's a fantastic figure. And Will, you know what makes it great? The pose. You could do anything with this figure. We did a little research at the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast, because that's what we do here. We do research. We tell you like it fucking is, and we do research. As you all know, there are seven figures in the set. But you, Joe, found some sculpting input from our buddy, ZST, Zombie Sailor Toys. For our listeners who don't know, these are drawings that were created by Hasbro Internal, Ron Rudat, that Zombie Sailor has. And he has made copies of. So this is sculpting it, but they would draw on paper what the figures are supposed to look like. What was very interesting about the sculpting input drawing is that it was written on there that they were supposed to use the body from the existing Mr. Perfect figure with the suplex mechanism. What's also interesting on the drawing, it said that these were supposed to be assortment one for 95, meaning I believe these were supposed to be released in 1995, not 1994. I think they pushed these out because of the license. And what was really awesome and unique is that these sculpting input actually matched the final prod. So we did get an accurate Adam Bomb figure. He wasn't supposed to not have glasses. He wasn't not supposed to have that Mr. Perfectionism and body type, which he does here. That's what I felt was pretty unique about the figure. When you said, Joe, this body mold, was perfect for him and can do everything it can that's why the mr perfect figure was so great yeah you can do a lot with that figure yeah you could do the perfect plex even in this atom bomb you could do suplexes let's talk about the actual figure and its deco i mean what do you think about it i love the deco on the atom bomb figure it matched his attire pretty spot on there i liked when i first seen atom bomb in the ring when you first see him and then you see the figure it definitely matches everything he used to wear to the ring with the singlet and the gun 
goggles. I think it looks great. I think so too. I absolutely love the goggles. I love the singlet. It's just so detailed. Why is this figure so much more detailed than any of the other figures in the series? You can make the exception with Ludwig Borga. I thought his attire was pretty, pretty detailed as well. Pretty accurate. He had the unique head scan. They went all out. And I agree with you. I think Adam Baum at the time, everybody was high on him. He was a great wrestler. I remember being a kid, not talking about wrestling figures, but wrestling merchandise. I even had one of those foam balls. Oh, yeah. They were like footballs with the Atom Bomb logo on it. And everybody was super high on Atom Bomb at the time. Yeah, he was fresh at the time when he came to the ring. I think that age group. They used to get really excited seeing him come to the ring and then getting him in figure form. He was pretty awesome to turn into an action figure with his singlet, like I said before, and, you know, the deco they could do. He's pretty easy to turn into an action figure and makes kids want to buy him, pick him up, yep, and play with him. Very toyetic character. So before we end this, oh my God, figure of the week, we're going to give you a little throwback to the card back of the green card series, Adam Bomb, weighing in at 292 Point five pounds, not 293, 292.5 pounds from Three Mile Island, Pennsylvania, Adam Bob. Standing close to seven feet tall. He's one of the most explosive wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation. Many believe this superb athlete could become one of the most devastating forces to ever step foot into the wrestling ring. His early life is somewhat of a mystery, but it is known that he grew up near Three Mile Island nuclear power plant during the plant's nuclear crisis. While other people fled for their lives, Adam stayed to enjoy the effects. <laughs> it's a wonder he doesn't glow in the dark the way he shines in the ring. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, what what a classic. And that's why this green card, Series 11, Hasbro, WWE, Adam Bomb figure is an oh my God figure of the week. The world will never forget the name of and you'll never forget the name Medicom Sofubi. Wow, listeners, we have a very special guest, our first guest on the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. We're really excited about this. It's going to be our wrestling collector friend, big time friend, Sean N. Gee, Sean is a very, very well-respected, well-known collector of very rare wrestling figures. You can go follow Sean on Instagram at KWK underscore Sean. You can also join his Facebook page, Kfabe Wrestling Collector on Facebook. It's got 2,000 plus subscribers on that Facebook page. And what he loves to do on his pages is show off his rare wrestling figure collection. Sean, thank you so much for doing this interview with us. Tell us a little bit more about your collection and the Facebook wrestling page. Well, I, first of all, I don't want to brag, but I think I actually own the biggest wrestling collection in China. I don't want to say Asia. At one point, I, I did want to say Asia, but, you know, I don't want to step on anybody's toe, but I have over 4,000 wrestling items in my collection. So 
show it to everybody and share the love. You know, some people are not quite familiar with some of the items that were in the collector scene beforehand. And I happen to have to go around, like, go around the world, like Japan, UK, the US, Canada, just to find some of these rare pieces. So, to me, you know, I think it's a nice way to show some people the so-called old-school way of collecting. I agree, Sean. Really quick here, I just want to interject. And this is one of the reasons why we love you on the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. You're using these social media platforms as a way to educate collectors. It's incredible. So, if anyone thinks that Sean's trying to shove it in your face or anything, that's not it. What Sean is here to do is to educate you about what's out there, educate you about the production process of wrestling figures, and show you some really, really rare, fun stuff. And Sean, you're right. You got one of the biggest collections, and thank you for doing what you're doing in this wrestling figure community. The segment, you'll never forget the name, is geared towards really obscure lines, really obscure wrestling figures, and you are the master of that. You are the, as I would say, Sifu of rare wrestling figures figures so I, I wouldn't say that i mean you know there are some guys that collect obscure stuff as well it's not just me yeah but let's just put it this way i just happen to have some oh yeah four thousand some come on now stop bragging here all right we gotta dial this back thanks for being modest we know there are other people out there we're not discrediting their collections or their knowledge of wrestling figure collecting but we wanted to bring you in because especially when we talk about this specific figure today medicom sufubi or the specific wrestling figure line it is asian based that is your specialty and they're great little figures they well not little they're 10 to 12 inches they're a soft no they're not Legal. They're going to take up a lot of room on your shelf, but that's okay because they're super fun. They're soft vinyl figures, which make them even that much more fun. And what we wanted to do to start was, can you give our listeners a little history of Medicom and Sofubi? We've heard of Medicom as it relates to Mafex and Marvel and their 112 scale figures, their NBA Michael Jordan stuff, their bare brick Lego style 18 inch figures. But give us a little history of Medicom Sofubi. So first of Sofubi is actually the Japanese name of soft vinyl. Don't ask me why, you know, it turned from soft vinyl into Sofubi. You know, it's just happened to be like this. I guess it has to do with the uh, pronunciation as well, Japanese. But um, Sofubi toys in general actually started in the 1950s. Well, right after the Second World War, they, you know, a little bit of history there. And, and what happened was, you know, obviously Japan was starting to industrialize. And one thing was with toys. The soft vinyl toys were, I guess, a little bit easier to make at the time. So in a way, that's why they were made and was basically involving all kinds of stuff within the Japanese culture. So we talk about monsters, gold, and superheroes, and all, all these kinds of stuff that, that you have. Talk about Kamen Aida, you talk about the Ultraman, you talk about Godzilla, all these kinds of stuff. They were all made of soft vinyl back then. It somewhat died out in the late 70s, early 80s, until it re-emerged in the 90s again, when the otaku generation, which is the, the Japanese name of Kendall's, you know, started coming back into the scene in the past subculture in Japan. Now, with that being said, eventually it overexpand into all parts of Asia. The whole sub-final toys business now has expanded into China. A lot of manufacturing everything, a lot of Chinese factories are making them with Japanese 
companies bringing orders into to China to do that kind of stuff like that. So create a much bigger market. You have Chinese designers that are making soft vinyl toys as well. So it's not just Japanese that are doing it right now. But that being said, the wrestling line for Sububi, as far as I know, the first wrestling Sububi toy, I think it started out somewhere around the 70s. Wow. So, you know, you have the Ricky Ball sound, you have the Inoki. Those were probably the, the earliest. I don't know how well they sold it. I'm obviously because I wasn't even born then. You know, I was yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I'm 40 this year, but still, you know, that worked. Yeah, these must have been one of the first wrestling toys ever created. The first one was actually a non-posable, I've seen once, and it's a gorgeous George toy. Nice. That, I think it was more like a porcelain type of deal. I, I didn't have it in hand, I only saw the picture, I didn't ask what material it was. But I think the first one was actually a gorgeous George toy. That's like even way before then. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as far as Japanese is concerned, this is probably the first Japanese toys that was ever made with wrestling personalities. That's amazing. I, I find these figures to be very nostalgic. And do you think that's why there's a larger resurgence in a lot of the other Asian countries and, a lo- you know, a higher demand these days for this style of figure? See, here's the thing. I think with the Asian culture... You know, not talking about Japanese culture, the Japanese subculture of Sububi, you know, like I said, they re-emerged in the 90s. But, you know, if you were talking about all other Asians that had that sort of subculture, may have to do with, you know, I still even older than me now, that had some sort of connection when they were kids, when they were watching some of the Japanese anime. Yep. And they had all these robots and stuff like that that were made into Subumi, and they're still selling hot. You know, a lot of guys are in those, you know, plus the Ultraman, plus the, the, the Kamen Rider, which is the masked rider in the U.S. You have a lot of these with subculture base. And, you know, I think some of these people, when they first really interacted with Subumi, was probably these sort of lines. And not only that, when you had several different well-known Japanese designers that were into them as well. You know, for example, Bathing Ape, they were going with Subumi when they when they first came out with the t-shirt line and stuff like that. They made these kind of toys. They, they actually worked out a deal with All Japan Wrestling at the time. At the time, owned by Niji Muto, which was also known as Great Muda. He is actually hasn't been card yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, All Japan and Bathing Ape actually made four different uh, saw vinyl figures that, you know, in a way also count as a movie. They're not the typical movie that we're talking about here with the media ones. They had Kiji Muto, they had the Bathing Eight star, which was a Bathing Eight whole creation of a wrestler of how it looked. Also, Satoshi Kojima, and I think it was, if my mind serves me correct, I think it was one of the guys that used to wrestle in WS in, in Jump Dragons. You have those ones. And that was around the time when everything started coming back, you know, in terms of the soft final culture, the Suzuki culture. With that being said, even at that time, throughout the time, they have made many different wrestling personalities in Japan. You know, they have made Becky Dolezal, uh, Sakaguchi is one of them, Antonio Noki, obviously, 
Asui Fujinami Tiger Mask that they made a comic version, the actual anime TV version, one that you could remove the mask, what you couldn't remove the mask, Sawa version, you know, Tiger Mask 2 version, they made so many Tiger Masks. Also the Black Tiger version, you know, again, in comic form, anime form, and actual wrestler form. Plus, they actually made an exclusive recently with Jushin Thunder Liger. That one is pretty damn hard to find right now. I want one as well. They also made the last several years that they Stan Hansen and Bruce Brody. They started working on a WWE line in 2014 to 2015. That's what I was going to actually ask you about really quickly. I mean, these the Stan Hansen and the Bruiser Brody is amazing. I think that there has definitely become more of a demand for those two wrestlers' merchandise, wrestling figures. For example, the Stan Hansen, the Shower Pro is going for pretty high. Same with the Bruiser Brody. And then you also have a resurgence of this demand because of documentaries like Dark Side of the Ring inside. I absolutely love the fact that you can get Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, and like you were just saying, in 2014, boom, they create a WWE line which you have some really really notable wrestlers here sting hogan warrior vader lod and they made multiple versions of some of these so maybe you can talk a little bit about that well see here's the thing wwe initially already had some form of agreement with medicom back in i believe 2000 or perhaps they've made at the time with the fabric line they made the hogan and also undertaker those were like gigantic big pieces of fair looking horns um you know just basically had the hawkmania logo or the undertaker logo on it yeah and for our listen and for still selling like hotcakes at the time in japan just really quick sean and for our listeners it, we actually mean bear these figures look like teddy bears they are in a larger format they have heads that look like a teddy bear head we're not like we're not talking about a bear figure they actually feel more like lego yeah, more like Legos. Again, it's size of Lego with a bear head. So I just wanted to let our listeners know that I just didn't want them to think they were like bear figures, like nothing on them. They're actually bear, like teddy bear figures. I mean, guys, they, these things are wild. So definitely go to your Google browsers or your preferred internet browser and check these out because they're really, really fun. So anyway, let me get back to the movie WWE. They made two versions of Hulk Hogan. One was the red and yellow, actually yellow. They didn't give him a tank top, but they did give him a Dana. Also, the NWO version of Hulk Hogan, which I own one, but these love it. There's also one Ultimate Warrior and three versions of LOD. So you're talking about one in AWA leather sort of look, and then they had the blue shoulder pads version and also the red shoulder pads version. Vader, they had two versions. One was more closer to his New Japan slash WCW version, and then there was another one in his WWE version, and also the red NWO Sting version. Really quick, for that Vader too, which is really cool about it, it comes with the Mastodon mask helmet that entrance helmet that helmet is great that is so cool sean i'm just amazed by it that's one of my bucket list sofubi style wrestling figures because i love the fact they included that helmet i mean it's amazing well you're talking about the fader helmet right i was just talking to fader's son jesse white the other day and i've already told you this just bought a piece of fader ring one gear from jesse and we were talking about 
Yes, he actually still has the actual Great One element that Vader wore. That's incredible. I highly doubt that he's ever done solid, but it's such a nice piece. If I own it, man, I'll, I'll be like, oh my god, I'm going to keep it in like a glass box or something. That's how hot it is. But uh, I also forgot they also had Andre the Giant, and I believe there were two versions of it. One was him wearing yellow trunks, I think. Either yellow trunks or the red trunks. I forgot which one. It was one with a one-size singlet that he wore for WrestleMania 3. That's the entire set for the WWE line. They didn't make too many. I was surprised that they did not make Ric Flair, because I was thinking that Flair would have been a nice piece to go with the Safumi line as well. I think so, too. We know you best for having that monster Galoob WCW Ric Flair prototype with the belt in the blue. These 10 to 12 inch Sofubi vinyl figures actually remind me of that Galoob WCW line and that flair looks incredible. And I think a flair would have fit in perfectly here as well. Yeah, because you have to look at it like this. It was a very, very strategic thing for Medicom to actually do this line with the selection of what they made. Because, you know, you look at Hogan. Hogan was famous in, in New Japan as the American Ichiban back in the day. Warrior is a totally different story because Warrior had a fan base in Japan as well as the U.S. and everywhere else. L.O.D., they were famous in New Japan, they were famous in WCW, they were famous in all Japan everywhere they went. Vader was the same thing. Sting was another that went to WCW for a lot of, from WCW that went to New Japan for a lot of tours. And Andre, Andre was selling houses when he was working for Vince McMahon Sr. Sr. would send him to Japan at the time to do shows, and he would sell out all these shows as well. If you look at the lineup that they were doing, they were obviously targeting at the older audience, no matter how you look at it. Not only that, Flair went to Japan very often, you know, especially in Japan. If you look at it like this, Flair would fit in perfect, and, and that's something that I don't understand. And the funny thing is, if you look at this lineup, they did not put in guys like Devin Nash, Scott Hall, Stone Cold, The Rock, or even take. Oh, by the way, I almost forgot they also had a taker in this line as well. That was a movie line with a removable hat, yeah. Takers in this one as well. So that that's the actual lineup. You look at all the guys that were coming out from the Azure era, they're not there. That's the target audience that Lidicom wanted to go with, and it's more of the golden era sort of guys. And I think it was a great move. I am a golden era professional wrestling fan. When you were talking about Andre being in an NJPW, I know his backstory with Bill Eady. That's Demolition Axe. Yes, they toured over there several times together. Very good friends. Like you said, everything made sense. It's golden era centric. The target market is those adults of the 80s and 90s or the kids of the 80s and 90s. And they really went for icons here. This is an icon line. These are some of the best professional wrestlers to ever step in the ring. It's sad we don't have that flair. Hopefully they can produce these again, start producing more WWE superstars and we can go from there. I would have also liked to see some demolition in here. You know how bad WWE has been all out. 
Yeah, they have that concussion lawsuit, if if our listeners don't know, and that was a battle between Demolition and the WWE for quite some time. It's a little sour, but never say never. Like you said, in the beginning, maybe they go after them independently. But regardless of that, these are available online. You can currently collect them. They are pretty pricey, though. So, Sean, I mean, what are you going to put down? How much are you going to spend on this line or per individual figure if you wanted to collect these? Well, I'm going to say this. If you've got connections in Japan, they are usually cheaper than what you can find on eBay. By how much, I can't tell you, because it varies. If you ever see the Andre or anything around like $400, I will say get it. Because, you know, I, I can tell you from this entire line, right? The NWO Hogan that I had, there was one selling last year. I believe it went up to like $700. $700. Some of the other ones, you know, for example, there are a couple of red NWO stings around. You can find them on eBay for like $180, somewhere around that anyway. Some of the faders, you know, if you're lucky, you can probably get them for 200 It all depends. If there's more and more of them selling around in Japan that some of these Japanese sellers sell them on eBay, then obviously the prices will get a little bit low. If selling them locally is already kind of hard to find in a way, they would jack the price up like big time. It's just how, how the Japanese collective market is, you know. They see a demand which just push up the collective price because these are collectible items. They're not your, your regular toys that you're going to get for $20 and stuff. You know, these are a totally different thing. They market it as collectible, high-end collectible limited toys. That's all it is. Listeners, I think there could be a misconception. You hear soft vinyl and you want to cuddle with these things in bed and all that. But no, no, no. (laughs) These figures are collectible items, as Sean described. And you don't cuddle with these in bed. They're meant to be displayed. They are very rare. And the prices are going to be high, like Sean has been discussing. I personally absolutely love them. I don't have any in my collection. They're on my bucket list right now. I, I don't know. I have a soft spot for Warrior. You know that, Sean. I bought a lot of pieces off of you. A couple pieces that are really rare, Ultimate Warrior related. And yeah, before we kind of wrap this up, it's a very tough question to ask any collector, but what are some of your favorite figures in the line? My favorite figure in the line? Well, I have only got five. And it's the NWO Sting, the NWO Hogan, black and white NWO Hogan, the red shoulder pads OV, and New Japan version of Vader. To me, my favorite would have been Vader. The reason why is that you already mentioned it. It's the, the headgear, the helmet. It's done really, really nicely. And even though it's like the figure and the headgear are both in the package, they have actually made a small bag to make sure that the helmet not scratch the actual figure itself. So, you know, they, they've done it in a way that is very thoughtful because, you know, they understand that's that sort of packaging would have been damaging on the figure itself because they made this particular bag to ensure that it will scratch the actual figure. It's very, very considerate. For something that simple, they are doing something this thoughtful, you have to admire the Japanese for that. I agree. The whole line is thoughtful. You know, we discussed from the beginning to the end, you're really taking a throwback. You're making these Sofubi figures. You are creating a collection of wrestlers that are iconic, that are from a specific period in professional wrestling. And then when you look at it, like you said, if these figures do come with accessories, they're even looking at the minute details of in the bag. And for all listeners, these do come in bags with kind of a cardboard top. The Vader helmet, the accessory is actually in a separate bag within that. 
that bag so this figure doesn't get scratched. Just a very thoughtful line. I absolutely love them. We highly recommend them. Oh, I've got one thing I need to add. Every single figure that they've made, okay, they make sure there's at least one removable item. Say, for example, the sting, right? It's a very, very simple, simple one, you know. I mean, it doesn't come with the baseball bat, which was the sting. I would love that if it comes with a baseball bat, but it doesn't. But the boots are removable. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, the boots are actually removable. For example, the Hogan. Again, very thoughtful, because you know how the NWO Hogan always had the shades and the bandana? The two together in one mold. So, you know, if someone is displaying them loose, the... The shades will not fall off, of course, turning turn some kind of disappearance on, on that particular accessory. The bandana and the, the shades actually are in one piece. It's really cool the way that they, they have thought about doing it. Oh, yeah. And especially accessory-wise, I mean, accessories can be small or large. And you know, like you said, I mean, it could be sucked up by a vacuum, eaten by a dog, just thrown away accidentally. So it is a very thoughtful way of doing it and just another example of how thoughtful the creation and production of this line was so we'll wrap it up here sean i want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart you are really one of the most humble modest rare wrestling figure collectors i know out there so please everybody give oh you're very welcome go over to instagram give sean a follow at kwk underscore sean go over to facebook get on his kayfabe wrestling collector facebook page anybody can join and check out his collection it's amazing and that's it for this week's edition of you'll never forget the name (sighs) medicom sofubi Look at this! You talk about a house of fire, you're seeing it right here! And welcome to this week's Busted Open. And this week, the figure or figures we are going to bust open are Mattel's WWE Battle Pack. Series 65, Velveteen Dream versus Ricochet. Now, Joe, last week I had it really easy with the Peyton Royce because I don't give a shit about Peyton Royce. I don't care about the Iconics too much. Iconics. I hope you all entered into that giveaway because it's a collector's edition figure. We busted it open. We gave it away. This week, I also am not going to bust the figure open. I can't believe it. I'm starting to not sweat at all. I'm starting to actually, like, I don't know, just get a little lazy here. You know, during the summer, I'm getting a little lazy because, Joe, you're going to bust open this battle pack. I kind of tossed around if I should bust this open or not. You got to do it. You got to do it for the listeners. This two pack is amazing. I have it. MOC for life. Hashtag MOC for life. One preface this. This could be the Velveteen Dreams last wrestling figure, at least with the WWE. With that said, Are you getting a little sweaty? Dream over.
Dream over, baby. Over. over. Dream over. I will stop talking to little children. Oh, God, Joe. Come on. You know, late night, we're all a little drunk. We're single I'm gonna men. Do, some, I'm going to do a little purple rainmaker. Some some of us are single men. Maybe Maybe you're not a single man. Late night, little drunk. You go onto the PH. <laughs> you go onto the internet. You start talking to some undercover, uh, undercover FBI. And no, I'm not talking about the full-blooded Italians. Yes, you are, little Guido and all, baby. He he's probably on there. Little Guido, Tracy Smothers, big big. What's the big guy? Big Sal big Graziano, Sal. baby. <laughs> so getting on little late night, getting on on the internet. And you don't know what's going to happen, okay? From then on, you don't know what's going to happen. We don't pass judgment at the Squared Circle Action Figure Pack. Velveteen Dream. You're innocent till proven guilty. So, Joe, I know you're sweating a little bit. I am. To go over the two-pack a little bit, the Velveteen Dreams attire is depicted from his NXT TakeOver Chicago 2 match, which took place in June 2018, the match where he faced Ricochet, the spotlight match, though Ricochet ultimately takes the spotlight away from the Vel, from the Velveteeny. Yeah, this was a cool match because you had Velveteen Dream, which he wants all the spotlight. You had Ricochet, who is a new incoming superstar to NXT that was all the hype. So Velveteen Dream was like, shit, man, why are you taking all my hype away? Why are you taking it away from me? And that's why they had the match. I like Velveteen in the way that he can adapt to any style, any wrestler he steps in the ring with. You're almost guaranteed, if you're wrestling Velveteen Dream, he has that gift where he he can put over anyone pretty much. And even if he loses a match, he still puts himself over. I agree. He has the ability to cross over and put over, which is very unique in professional wrestling. Very rare. Very rare. This match is a great example of that. It is a spotlight match. I call it a spotlight match because there wasn't much of a build or storyline other than you're stepping on my shit. Now we got to fight. Simple. But they tell an amazing story in the ring and Velveteen Dream is decked out for this match. Yeah. So in the match, Velveteen comes out first. He's wearing the Dream Stole Over Tank with mimics the Hulk Stole Rule shirt. He also has the red lenses on the Dream glasses and accompanied by that he has the orange and yellow boa when he hits the ring he rips off the shirt watching this match for the first time and then watching it again it's amazing he's going to the ropes and doing the whole hand to the ear thing that hogan did and then doing his velveteen dream pose and the crowd is into it so much i mean they're just eating it all up it's just really amazing and then ricochet he comes out velveteen dream he's got his hogan tribute attire ricochet comes out and he's got the the elite 69 attire are you gonna bust this open i haven't seen this bust over does he even have a shirt on i know he has the boa on no shirt underneath just a boa yeah so i think we got to get to busting this open oh here we go because we want to talk a little bit about the figures that's what we're here for for talk about the wrestling figures Uh oh uh it's it's it's, you you know what i hear it and it hurts (laughs) i have i'm waiting I'm going to bust this open and this two pack's going to go to like a hundred bucks. I can't, I can't, I can't. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm actually holding mine right now. 
Will, it's off the it's off the card. Oh God! Oh my God! I'm holding my I'm holding Ryan right now, very close to me. While you do, all I see is all I see is Richard O'Shea's chest. (laughs) Let's see. I guess you know what? I'll take Richard out first. I'll take him out of the pack. Take him. I don't even. He's not even on TV anymore. God, I don't even know what happened to him. He's probably fired too. (laughs) They're like, let's pair let's pair him before we send them out the door. Yeah, exactly. Fucking sad. I think, guys, I think both of these guys may not even be in the WWE before it's end. Before right. it ends, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll take uh, Ricochet out first. There we go. Oh, there we go. He's out. Not much to good old Ricochet there. I mean, what do you think of him? Head scan looks great. The tattoos on this are a little dull. It's, yeah, it's a basic kind of figure. The tattoos are a little dull. Headscan looks great. Going over the attire that he wore in the match, the attire looks good. I like the gold. I like the black. I like how it's got the uh, established 88 on the knee pads. And it's got an 8 on one thigh and 8 on the other, which is kind of cool. 88. 88 on the front and back. Boots look good. They got the black on the front gold uh, designs on the sides and both boots have the R for ricochet on both sides. Overall, I like it. It's nice. The head scan definitely makes the figure worthwhile. It makes the figure worthwhile. I think the head scan is there. These are the elite head scans. If you missed out on Elite 69, I know ricochet is due for top picks as well, but in a in a white attire, this is a great substitute, especially at the price point. I know that elite figure is also going the Elite 69 ricochet his debut figure is going for a lot of money on ebay right now this could be a great alternative you got to pick this two pack up for a basic two pack i think it's great one thing i did want to mention before we get into the velveteen dream is i like the knee pads i like that they actually put knee pads on him and the knee pad does say the est 88 on it on the elite figure i didn't like that they didn't have a knee pad for him and they just printed the EST over just the regular knee joint. It looked weird, awkward. He needed the knee pad. Even if you have that elite figure, you may want to get this figure for that knee pad. And I, the set, I think, is just incredible regardless. I do agree with you as well, Joe. The tattoo deco is not colored in. Going to get a muted tattoo deco. Yeah, exactly. For a battle pack for a quote-unquote basic core figure, I think this is a really great figure. Posing it right now, standing it up, it, it looks great. But like I said before, the head scan definitely sends it over. Get into the Velveteen Dream, baby. That's what we're here. Dream over. Purple oh, Rainmaker. Here we go. He's coming out. The Dream Valley Driver. Holy shit. His bandana just came flying off his head as I tried to take him out. I could see the braid detail on his head. I mean, it is awesome, man. I had no idea it was like that. I had no idea the bandana headpiece came off that says Dream Over. I had no idea that came off. So that's that's pretty sick. The bandana does come off. The great thing about this head scan is that it is the same as his previous elite figures however what they did is they chopped the top off you remember in in his two previous elite releases he had fluffy hair that whimsical fluffy hair they chop it off they give him the braids does it look okay i think it's in two pieces i saw a review about this does yours look off color because i think the hair pieces are like 
into pieces. It could be a little off color. What what does your figure look like? Holding it close up well, it looks like the headpiece. I could see how it looks like two colors. That's actually the the hair underneath. It was shaved underneath. So they separated the hair with the braids and they left a little shading underneath. But so actually looks like how someone would look if they braided their hair back. Actually, they nailed it. That's a good explanation. I'm happy to hear that because I know people were reviewing this figure and saying, oh, well, there's a different, uh, there's a variation in color from the top to the bottom and the separation looks wonky, but it doesn't matter because you're going to have with the bandana on. I'd like the fact that we clarify things for you here at the squared circle action figure podcast so let's get back into the velveteen dream baby holding the figure in my hand it it looks great i mean the head scan the head sculpt looks great the dream over bandana on top is nice and light i like how the dream over is very big on the bandana it looks cool it pops with with the orange and yellow the boa is removable which i wasn't sure if it was or wasn't i'm pretty sure it was going to be so taking off the boa you know that piece comes off the bandana comes off the figure looks great man the tights look spot on you know the colors really pop on here good detail i like it has the white boots overall well you know for a uh, basic uh, core battle pack figure whatever you want to call it this figure is great man i agree the figure is great i mean it has its inconsistency but you are getting a battle pack basic core figure exactly what do you, what do you call these a series 65 figure mattel just a word of advice here can you please just name this fucking line i mean what do we call these fucking things now is it core is it battle pack is it series is it nothing at this point name the goddamn line i digress Getting back to the actual figures, the bandana is fantastic. It is accurate. I miss that he doesn't come with a shirt. He doesn't come with the glasses. Also, the boa colors are not correct. It isn't just the yellow boa. He does have orange in the boa oh, yeah. that he wore to the ring during yeah, the match. Right. Again, you're getting awesome deco and detail in the tights, in the bandana. They missed in a couple places, but if the VD is not is not gone hopefully we can get this figure as an elite figure it would be phenomenal that's it this week we reviewed the mattel wwe battle pack series 65 velveteen dream versus ricochet and we think is a figure that you need to busted busted open tonight we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling are you ready wrestling fans are you ready for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! And welcome to this week's main event. Joe, we have one of the, well, one of the proclaimed greatest matches of all all time this match is from SummerSlam 
1992, Wembley Stadium, London, England. It is Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog for the Intercontinental Championship. What a match. And before we get into it, I just want a quick take from you. What do you think about this one? One of my favorite matches of all time. I remember watching this over a friend's house at the time. We were both super amped up to have Bret Hart in the main event. We were big Bret Hart fans. And to have the Intercontinental title between these two as the main event, fantastic match. I have nothing bad to say about this match. I just remember it at the time. One of my favorite matches. It is one of my favorite matches, too. I remember being a little kid on that couch watching the pay-per-view in 92. I remember the Hart family turmoil. It was incredible. But first, we want to give you a little information about this pay-per-view. A little tidbit, a little bit of facts. To note, this is actually the first WWF. We don't get the F out here. We Keep it in, baby. WWF. First WWF pay-per-view to take place outside of the U.S. I want to say it was on a weeknight, maybe a Monday or Tuesday, if I remember correct. It could have been, Joe. I don't remember. There's a time difference when you're overseas. It's a big one. And we were probably on another day and another time. I do not know that. We'll look into it. But what I do know is that this pay-per-view had 80,000 plus people in Wembley Stadium. To my knowledge, this is one of the top five pay-per-views, big time events. WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, in WWF history, WWF, WWE history, 80,000 plus. The buy rate, though, for this was pretty low. It only had a 1.5 pay-per-view buy rate. It was actually down from the year before at 2.7. I think it has something to do with that weeknight going back to that. The funniest thing about this pay-per-view is that SummerSlam 91 was fucking terrible. Easily... Easily forgettable. Oh my God. Hogan and the Warrior versus Sergeant Slaughter and his fucktoids. And then the match. I think you're going to. And then I don't, I don't even, I, whatever. Iron Sheik and Mustafa or whatever the fuck his name was. And I can't even fucking tell you. I don't even care. Doesn't matter. You had, this is an MSG. I was too young to go to a live event in MSG because my dad didn't want to take me on the trains. But anyway, in 91, I went in 96, not in 91. It had, you know what, from 91, it just to not go off topic, it had a shitty card. The card was shit. Match made in heaven, match made in hell, shit. Can you believe it, Joe? 222.7 by rate. It might have had that because Virgil uh, defeated the Million Dollar Man. I think that sent people over the moon. No, you know why it had that? IRS? I, I can't, I don't even want to talk about it. Let's get back into this awesome match and this awesome SummerSlam. Before we review this match, I want to get into this one point. The British Bulldog, supposedly, I don't know if this has been confirmed. I think it's been confirmed. Had a staph infection. This guy is wrestling injured in one of the biggest matches of his career. One of the biggest and best matches in professional wrestling history. And he goes 25 minutes and 40 seconds. Long time. It's a long time, Joe. Long time. Last week, we discussed 
Starcade 97, Sting and Hogan, they went 12 fucking minutes. I don't even want to get back into that again, but yeah. Oh my God. Disaster. But listen to it. If you want a good breakdown of that match, listen to last week's episode of the podcast. But this match, 25 minutes and 40 seconds, right? Amazing. Staff infection in front of 80,000 plus people in Wembley Stadium, London, England for the intercontinental title when does the intercontinental title get this fucking kind of respect in this day and age that's when the intercontinental title had so much respect i personally like the intercontinental title in this era over the world heavyweight title let's look at the guys that were holding it mr perfect Bret Hart, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat. I mean, the list goes on and on. Texas Tornado, we'll throw him in there. Kerry Von Erich. The Intercontinental title, the fact that it was in the main event for this match. Oh my God, I was I was so excited. It was amazing. Joe, two episodes prior, we discussed IC title versus Winged Eagle heavyweight champion. So you have title versus title, Hogan and Ward. Right? And in this area, again, like you said, we can just go through the list of amazing champions. You have Mr. Perf, Texas Tornado, Rowdy Pipe. I'm throwing it in there. You got the Mountie, Rick Rude, The Ultimate War, Honky Tonk Man, Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage. Come on, come on, come on. Okay, no brainer. Now, not that we're dead getting down on current product. We have the face that runs the place holding the title right now. So there is a little hope in the modern era, but we're just trying to point out that this is an amazing time for the intercontinental championship and this is an amazing match it was a no-brainer to put it in the main event so getting into the match the pre-match leading up i think they did a pretty good job as far as the families go there's a lot of like family turmoil being torn apart different heart brothers taking different sides davy obviously with brett's sister so I think they played a good part in putting that story together. I agree. I mean, look, it was the first time you had this inner heart family term. We'll see this again at WrestleMania 10 with Brett and Owen. The funniest thing about this time is that Owen was on Brett's side. And Owen was just a bit player at this point in time. He was the Rocket Owen Hart. Nobody cared who he was, blah, blah, blah. If you look back at it, this match is really the genesis of Owen versus Brett, WrestleMania 10. This is the first time where you have this family interpersonal conflict portrayed in the WWF. You have it not between brothers, but between brother-in-laws. And Diana plays a huge role in this match. There's a lot of pre-match things I love to point out. In moving more into the figure point of this match, this is what I like to point out. They do a pre-match interview for Bulldog. They do a pre-match interview for Brett. They do a pre-match interview with Diana. But you really get to see what they're wearing. And that's what I love during these pre-match interviews. And the Bulldog has his cape on. He's got his classic braids. He's got the Bulldog on the wristband. And he's really saying... Oh, he's fought, you know, he's fought so long, two years to get this IT title match. It's not personal. Jack Tunney made the match. There is no family pressure. When I get in the ring, I don't know who Brett is. Basically saying, he ain't my fucking brother-in-law. Yeah, I want the fucking IC title. They then cut out. They go back to Brett. Brett's got his leather jacket on. He's got the skull on the back. Not the traditional Heart Foundation jacket. The skull on the back with the Hitman. I wish they would do... uh, We'll talk about this later. Oh, don't... I don't want to get into it right now. 
<laughs> it just pains me. And it pains me with this Davy Boy figure, too. But anyway, pink on the bottom half of the tights, black on the top half of the tights, the new Hitman insignia logo on them. Brett's attacking. Brett's not the baby face in this man. No, he's not. Brett is the bad guy attacking. Bulldog doesn't have gratitude. British Bulldog should be grateful that Brett introduced him to Diane, his sister, and that Davy Boy. The British Bulldog is responsible for all this family tension because I'm the champ. All I wanted to be is the champ. So we're done with the interviews. And then, Joe, you got to talk about this because they cut out and literally in the UK. And again, it's a United Nation. They literally have this bullshit. They (laughs) They have the Highlanders. What are the the Balmoral Highlanders? The Balmoral Highlanders. Highlanders playing bagpipes before the match. And uh, you, you know, looking back on it, it's not it's kind of odd. It's not very British. No. Playing Scotland the Brave. They're playing Scotland the Brave. <laughs> and then who shows up? Fucking Piper. Piper. Piper shows up. He plays with the Highlanders. So at this point, you're like, what the hell is going on? What the? Joe, what the? The crowd fuck? doesn't know what to do. I mean, it's 80,000 drunk people, all right? They're in the fucking UK, right? This is literally 12 o'clock their time. They're all fucking drunk, and everybody's just like. They're like, who gives a shit at that point? Exactly. I remember before the match started, they had Diana at ringside and she has an interview before the match and she's describing it. You know, it's hard for her to watch. The match is going to be the greatest of their lives. She's concerned with their safety, blah, blah, blah. Sean Mooney is baiting her and she's pretty terrible on the mic looking back on it. And they pretty much, I think they, I think they figured that out as they're going through it and they cut her off. They're no. like, and they're like, end that shit quick, man. She oh, can't even speak English. Oh, Dude, Mooney, not beating her. He just, he's just like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> she does. It, it, it's like she doesn't uh, under. She like doesn't learn how to speak English when she's talking. It's French Canadian, right, or something, something Quebecois, and it's not even that. It's just Canadian, and she's so fucking stoic. There is this stoic, no emotion from her. I I am not excited. No, I don't want to be here. Uh, I don't I, like. I'm concerned is, for their safety. Yeah, blah 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 blah. This is going to be the greatest all match time, of all da, time. Da, 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 yeah. And I hope their lives are fed. You know. And I'm just like, what the fuck? She's like, I want. I hope Davy Boy has some time left for me after. I know. I don't think Davy Boy got anything. <laughs> I read women very well, and that's a woman that did not want to have any fucking thing to do with this growing up though it's believable you're like holy shit she doesn't want to be here because she's his wife right and we'll get into this a little later because bobby just oh he fucking he's amazing i just want to let all our listeners know if you're not familiar with it mcmahon and bobby are on commentary throughout this whole pay-per-view and bobby the brain heenan is just fucking amazing so sad to hear or to see what happened with him we'll not get into it now i want to leave that to the end so let's start off with the entrances so to start davy boy uh, british bulldog is led to the ring by lennox lewis who at the time is riding high he's about to beat beat a couple other notables so they're holding the union flag 
coming down to the ring. Then you got Bret the Hitman Hart coming out second. He pretty much kisses the IC title and gives away the shades as usual to the crowd. The crowd's going freaking insane at this point. They stare down each other to start off the match. You know, good old stare down, pushing each other. He's like, I don't want you with my sister. Davey's like, why'd you make her do the interview? It's terrible. (laughs) Brett's like, you know, uh, us Canadians were stoic as hell. So (laughs) Davey boy. I have, I have a robot. I have no, no, no. (laughs) He's like, he's like, lay off for God damn it. You know, they go back and forth a little pushing. Davey boy, obviously is a lot bigger than Hitman at the time. He showcases his strength. A little bit of technical wrestling to start off. A couple arm bars, a couple exchanges, bulldog working the arm a lot. Near falls, et cetera, et cetera. But the thing that stuck out in this match, which I don't think they should have did, is I don't like how they keep going back to Diana. I know they wanted to play with the emotional effect. Bulldog facing Brett, Brett facing Bulldog. They kept going back to her. After that, keep going back and forth. Brett takes a lot of chin locks, does a lot of grinding, pinfalls multiple times. To start off the match, it's a pretty good pace. It's a, it's a good pace. I agree. The Diana stuff, they got her in a little fucking goddamn corner screen, pitcher and pitcher. That should have been eliminated. At the time, being a kid, I was really emotionally involved in that. Looking back at it, it's just like, oh my God, why did they do that? But I get it. But this match to start was incredible. I mean, like you said, I mean, it's just grinding. It's chin locks and reversals and technical wrestling at its finest. Arm bars, near falls, roll ups, sunset flips, all this good shit that you can't even describe in this podcast right now because you have to watch the matches that good. In the mid match, Brett has this awesome, awesome offense. He goes into it. I mean, he lays a sleeper hold. Into Davy Boy, I think twice, if my memory serves correctly. Bulldog obviously gets out. There is a very weird point after that sleeper hold where Davy Boy is going for like, what are these press slams? I guess he was winded. Maybe this had to do with his the, the sickness he had, but he drops Brett on the ropes. But Brett is so awesome that he corrals the ropes and helps himself from injury. It's amazing. Yeah. But then he goes right back into it. You don't even notice it unless you're really looking into this match. And then it's just like press slam, clothesline, signature suplex. Davey Boy always did the hold up suplex. And that was just like, oh my God, he did the hold up suplex. This is amazing. So he holds him up there. Good 10 seconds. You got Bobby the Brain Heaton counting it down. He whips him into the corner. And this is where we get to the finish. Whips him into the corner, ready for the power slam. I remember the Bulldog going for the power slam. He connects and Brett kicks out at two, which you're like, oh God, once a Bulldog hits that slam, usually it's over. It's over, man. They say it on commentary. This is the first time ever that someone has kicked out from the Bulldog's finisher. Yeah. Through that, you have the Hitman countering with the uh, German bridge suplex. You get another two count. That suplex. Oh man. Sickening. I know. It was perfect to build it up more. Yeah. And Davy Boy, for some reason, is is near the ropes. He hits this suplex. In this time, they don't have this technical wrestling. Yeah, back then, well, you don't see that kind of wrestling, but it's almost guaranteed when the Hitman's in the ring, you're going to get a taste of it. I want to briefly point this out. The Bulldog in this match is phenomenal. But he's got a staph infection. He's obviously injured. He's winded. I have been a fucking Bret Hart Mark fan my entire life. Bret Hart is fucking amazing. So the Bulldog hits a a superplex from the top rope. I remember Hart kicks out. 
that was another big deal because whenever they go up to the top rope and hit a superplex, you know the finish is coming soon. So Hart kicks out. Then, of course, you're like, wait a minute, the finish is coming. Brett puts on the sharpshooter after. Bulldog inches his way, gets to the ropes. Out of nowhere, you get a sunset flip all the way down. This wasn't just a normal sunset flip. And when British Bulldog rolls him up for the pin, puts the pin in, it was no doubt going to be a three count on Brett. I don't even think Brett could have kicked out with the way Bulldog went down with those legs. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. And, you know, Brett loves to do these finishes. You have the Owen Hart finish at WrestleMania 10. There are countless amount of finishes that are done this way and it's part of brett's repertoire i will put you over no problem we're not doing finishes we're gonna get you over by a roll-up by a pin by a sunset flip counter and he's just notorious to have these technical finishes and i love it we don't need a finisher it's great nobody does it anymore it's great it's very seldom you have a big fucking match and someone wins by a fucking goddamn sunset flip counter roll up it's always teased but it's never a finish yeah not back then it was perfect they do that now it's like oh you know they got to hit their finishers 85 times they finish the match without a finisher which is great i want to see a match finish without a fucking finish i digress so as you said sunset flip by brett into the counter pinfall by Davey. He's not kicking out one, two, three, clear one, two, three. Get in the ring. Give Davey the title. Brett's pacing back and forth. Diana's fucking bawling her eyes out. She gets into the ring. Oh my God. Out of the whole family turmoil, I felt that Diana did her best part here because Brett's kind of teasing. He's like, I don't know if I want to shake this fucking guy's hand. Eventually they embrace. It's great. Brett raises the hand. Diana actually comes into the ring. There's a hug. He She hugs individually both of them the crowd is going crazy by this time they can't even fucking see who's in the ring no because they've had so much fucking beer to drink (laughs) going nuts going crazy what's great about this whole thing is brett goes to lift diana and davy's arms but diana shugs him off and then lifts both of their arms and that's what i loved the most and then they embrace they hug the fireworks go off it's one of the best professional wrestling matches of all time for that year, for that time frame, Intercontinental title as the main event, first time overseas. I mean, you knew the Bulldog was leaving with the belt. What would have sent this match over the top is if they had the other Hart brothers come in the ring tripping and falling and shit like they always do. They usually come in the ring with those oversized leather coats fucking with those weird ass shoes tripping and falling. This family was known for being professional wrestlers in the ring. Whenever the fucking other brothers would come out, they can't even get in the fucking ring, man. Bruce Hart was in Stampede Wrestling and... That would have definitely sent the match over like even more if they they came out and fallen on their asses. I like the build. I don't know if this was part of the plan. I'm a wrestling fan here. I'm trying to do some analysis. Yeah. But the genesis of a family conflict that eventually leads to Owen versus Brett. And through all of this, you get in between the Jerry Lawler incident, right? Where it's the kiss my foot match. You get the Jerry Lawler shit where it's the brothers versus Jerry Lawler and the Kings, you know, and that then leads up to Owen versus Brett at WrestleMania 10. If my memory serves correct, this is really the genesis of a long family feud. Yeah. Very long. 92 to 94. Pretty, pretty fucking incredible, right? 
So you get that long family feud starts in 92. Brett Davy boy continues all the way to 94 WrestleMania attack. Just an incredible main event. And this is why we're here. We're getting into the figures that best represent the main event. And what we chose for the best figures that represent this main event were the Mattel WWE SummerSlam Series 2016 British Bulldog, Basic Core, whatever the hell you want to call it. And, ah, Joe, this was such a struggle. We went back and forth. They don't have a figure for Brett for this main event, and that is a fucking travesty. I know. You kind of have to go back. You're like, uh, should I pick the uh, Jack's Classic for this match, or should I do the Mattel Elite WrestleMania exclusive? That's kind of similar to the to that that depicts the match. Yeah, but they don't have one that is the same attire as, as that match. They don't. It's really painful. I actually think it's painful that this British Bulldog was a basic. They released that elite figure and it had the cape, had the attire, the head scan. Why the fuck wouldn't you release that elite figure in a SummerSlam 92 attire? Yeah, I know. It doesn't make any sense. To give us the Bulldog in a basic figure form in that 92 attire the basic figure from SummerSlam series 2016 is decked out in his SummerSlam attire it's got the bb on the boot it's got the bulldog on the tights it's got the blue and red on the legs it's got the actual wristbands that say bull and dog it's got the elite head scan you know what it doesn't have joe doesn't have a fucking cape this is bulldog and it fucking doesn't have an intercontinental title and that is what frustrates me as a hashtag moc for life collector it's a great figure well but yeah they put it out in basic form for some reason and like you said it's missing the belt it's missing the cape it's close but it's not there you know and what you want it's a great figure nonetheless i'm not going to discredit the figure whatsoever it is a great figure the torso is fantastic he's ripped the arms are bulky they're amazing it's an amazing figure but i want it all i want it all in one package and again we haven't seen a british bulldog this elite series i want to say that it was what four years ago yes it was so this elite British Bulldog figure with full regalia and cape came out in 2016, 2017. I'm just so bitter. We did not get this SummerSlam 92 figure for the elite attire. I'm also bitter that we don't have a Bret Hart from this match. I hope Mattel has this figure in the pipeline because it's that good it's that great of a match i would love a bret hart figure released with an intercontinental oh please give it to me it doesn't need to be the the heavyweight championship of the world doesn't need to be the wing title all the time give me a bret hart figure with an ic title please please mattel do it but that's it those are the figures that we think best represent this main event match And this is the main event for this week's episode of the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast. So remember, we drop these podcasts every Saturday. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, including Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SQD Circle AFP for everything wrestling figure related. 
And remember, the Squared Circle Action Figure Podcast is the gold standard in wrestling figure.